You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 11, episode 54. I'm John and I'm joined by John. How you doing? Yeah, good. Long time no speak, mate. How are you? Hi, well, we have spoken, just not in the podcast, aye. Aye, aye good. I'm trying to work out, was it maybe lower league? Mid-season? Um, or was it I was pro- I th- Yeah, I don't think we've recorded together in 2022. I think last time was just before Christmas. Do you think it's getting to the stage where one John's enough on the podcast? <laughs> That's up to us to decide. Aye, but, but remember, even... <laughs> we, put out, we put out the poll and it was 50-50. <laughs> they don't even, even know what's joining I'm voting for exactly because I put the pictures up um, you've been busy though haven't you very much so yeah just about before we start and introduce others I think we should get your podcast from well it's out today yeah which will be yesterday by the time folk listen to this mm-hmm. yes Gra- go. Graham Alexander yeah um, so <clears throat> He'd agreed to come on um, when we were preparing for the playoff, um, but when he agreed the playoff had been cancelled, but he still agreed to come on um, to talk about the upcoming friendlies and he was talking about how everything was affected by um, how the squad would be affected by the postponement, etc. how they've got to get their heads in the game and, and then he talked a little bit about his um, Scotland career. I don't want to cover it too much because there's already a podcast out there and I just didn't want to rip off someone else's podcast so we kept it short and sweet but it was a good 50 minutes It was tremendous, I listened to it earlier and it was a thoroughly enjoyable listen Six the teams were good Oh, they were brilliant. I, I take a note of them but I'm not going to put them out yet because mm-hmm. otherwise folk haven't listened yeah. and won't go. unless we did a wee guess who because for those that listened last week we did a wee guess who game uh, on the podcast so we can maybe do a guess who and folk can try and guess who's in the team. Could be. He clues or something like that. Uh, so Josh, how you doing? You good? All good, mate. Um listen to listen to the, the full um Graham Alexander's um podcast today. Uh, it was fantastic. Aye, brilliant. Um really uh, he's really passionate about Scotland. I've always liked Graham Alexander. Another feather on your cap, John. Um you know, in terms of getting him for an interview while while being a, a current premiership manager, so fantastic. Thanks so much. I think his story is incredible. Just that um, in 1998, he's attending as a fan the Scotland Norway game, and then four, less than four years later, he's playing for Scotland. Um, you know, they just thirty. They just thirty to then go and get forty caps. Just incredible. Um, solid player. Always thought in a Scotland shirt. Very solid he's, he's always he's always struck me as one of one one of the know that know that I've got anything against them, right? But he's always he's always struck me as one of the kind of Anglo players that actually identifies as Scottish rather than uh, I don't know, maybe like a Matt Ritchie or somebody somebody that's kind of wanting about international football. Know that I'm against them at all because top player. Um but he's always struck me as a real Scotland fan, which I really like about him. Maybe this is a podcast that we could do another day is um you know, divide the angles, which one falls in the good category, which one falls in exactly. the not so good. That would be a good debate. I, I know which one I'm putting Matt Rich in, but... <laughs> I've heard six aside and I was six aside. Is that what what one's Ryan Fraser going in then? <laughs> <laughs> Do you really want to ask a couple of Aberdeen fans that one? 
You haven't he's done his out of money <laughs> twice. Uh, what nicknames are going for tonight? Seems we've got a guest, and there's the two Johns. What what are we going for? I, I know I'm, I'm a top host now. Is that was that me, or were you talk about yourself in the third person? No, you're the top host. You're the top host. No. You're the regular host. You know. Aye, maybe regular's more fair. No, I think you do a top job. So no, I'm giving you a compliment. Take it. Right, I'll take it. I'll take it. Right, well, we, we just go for the. Should we go old school? F bomb. So I swear a bit or bad joke, John. What do we want? I'm sure. Maybe let a guest decide and let's introduce him. That would be a good idea. Aye, aye. Well, <laughs> what was it nine minutes or a week for the guest? Introduce. <laughs> I just remember old firm facts earlier in the season. I don't mean it, it must have been um, bedtime by the time you introduced him at that point. <laughs> Aye. Well, I reckon you should introduce the guest because it was your link up. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, let's welcome Vinny. Um, how are you doing, Vinny? I'm good. It's a, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, I just obviously, it's my, my first time seeing you guys like on a screen I've obviously been following you on Twitter for a wee while and uh, just in my notes there talking about nicknames just to tell the difference between the two of you I've written Beardy John so <laughs> um, that, that could be the nickname for this evening if you want Beardy John aye Beardy John that's fair enough aye <laughs> it's fairly inoffensive I, I, I presume you've meant to grow the beard so it's, <laughs> not, a, it's not an awkward thing or anything like that I just wake up like this overnight <laughs> uh, he's attached to it on my prick stick <laughs> after, a certain, after a certain time I turn it into milk <laughs> uh, it's good to have you on Vinny uh, thanks very much for having me so where are we going to start then are we going to start with a wee bit about yourself in terms of your background so I know you've done a few podcasts before in the past so just give the I suppose give the audience in that a wee insight to your, your previous work yeah, absolutely. So the it's, it's been a bit of a whirlwind last month and a half or so um, when I've made the decision to get back into doing some writing and, and, and broadcasting through through podcasts. Um, and I say getting back into it because over 10 years ago, um, there was a, a couple of fellow Partick Thistle fans and I um, were the, the founders of the Jagscast podcast. Um, now, going back then, I know you guys have been running for a long time as well. We had the issue of whenever we did interviews or had guests on or anything, we had to literally explain what a podcast was to them. Because, um, uh, you know, I, I think Jake Humphreys has, has coined the, the term uh, podcast being quite niche. But back then it was quite niche. Not enough lot of people knew what, what it was or anything like that. So, um, you know, inspired by things back then, like the, the old school football Rambo and the, the original lineup of Football Weekly and things like that, we um, we, we, we thought, yeah, we'll have a go at this for a, for a Partick Thistle podcast. Uh, and alongside that was uh, a lot of blog writing and, and things like that. And back then, it was just a matter of, you know, I'd, you'd have an idea of something to write and you'd just get it down and you'd publish it that day. Um, and you know it was, it was things like your 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 all time part of this all living and your, your your worst living and then looking at how we could try and develop fan engagement and everything like that. So there was there was some interesting things at at, at that time, and then um, just kind of fell away from that side of things. You know, life gets in the way. I've my um, my career kind of 
took an unexpected trajectory. You know, since then I've, you know, I'm now a dad to three kids, and uh, yeah, life took over a wee bit, um, which is not a complaint. But in the last year and a half or so, um, got a new job, um, and uh, I've so suddenly found the headspace to, to to get back into it. And it was a conversation with my wife um, just in February of. Do you know, I've, I, I never really stuck in it. That it was something I really enjoyed. You know, not not in terms of a career per se, but just something that I really, really enjoyed doing, chatting to other people, getting to meet other people, um, looking at football in a different way, um, not just from you know wanting your team to win, but actually analysing games and, and seeing formations and see how things are are panning out. And uh, it was my wife just said, well. Why don't you do it? Is there someone you can be in touch with to ask for uh, some advice from? Um, and you guys obviously have, have spent a bit of time with Adam Miller. Um, so I slid into Adam's DMs and said, because, you know, from, from a similar point of view, he had his job outside of his funny tweets and then things have kind of snowballed for him. So just asked Adam for a, a wee bit of advice. What kind of things did you look to do? And um, one of the uh, other founders of the Jags cast, he's got a career in, in media as well, so dropped him a, a wee line. And they just, to my surprise, I think I had a bit of almost imposter syndrome, but to my surprise, they were like, yeah, go for it. Just try it, write some things down. Even if it's only you that reads it, then it's, it's been worthwhile. And um, yeah, I was a wee bit anxious putting up my first article and things like that, but it was really well received. And then since then, I think I've, I've, I've published four just in the, the, the last three weeks or so. Um, and, uh, you know, no one's given me a terrible review as yet or anything that I've, everyone's been very encouraging. So it's not a, not the big scary thing that I'd built it up to be over the years. And, um, you know, just set myself some realistic goals for things I want to do and uh, I'm, I'm well on track for them so and, and one of them was coming on uh, different podcasts so obviously been uh, listening to you guys for a wee while so I thought why not and uh, here I am. I have read some of your articles so like going by your like in tactical analysis am I going to call you Vinny XG? <laughs> Listen nothing wrong with XG it's uh, it's, it's uh, yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of it personally it's just quite interesting particularly when you get teams with very very low expected goals but they come away winning the game um, that's always intriguing for me to, to delve into that kind of thing It's interesting because how you're saying about like doing stuff 10 years ago and if you're into analysis I remember I'm a fair age now but one of my mates wee brothers was leaving school and he was, we were talking to him, what are you going to do when you leave school? And thought we'd be like going to uni, this, that, there. And he was like, oh, I'm going to Cardiff to do football data analysis. And we're like, what? what? What's this? Because it wasn't really something that was as popular back then. You quite into it then? Quite a fan? It's something that I, when I was doing a lot of writing previously, um, one of the sort of turning points for me was reading uh, some of Jonathan Wilson's stuff. Um, it's just fantastic stuff to read. Um, there's a book called Inverting the Pyramid, which is all about the the, the history of football tactics. Um, and uh, I, I just absolutely loved it. As soon as I started, literally from page one, you were just thinking, oh, that's why that happens. And it's just really, really interesting to, to look into it at that level. Um, and it's something, you know, it's, 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 it's like 
when you learn a language and if you don't use it for a long time, you need to sort of delve back into it. So um, one of my most recent articles was um, about all everything that players can do that's off the ball. They only have you know, effective control of the ball for 88 minutes, uh, for, sorry, for less than two minutes. So what do they do for the other 88 minutes of the game? So uh, writing that article allowed me to go back into that side of things uh, from football. So that's, that's it's, it was great getting back into that. And um, yeah, just slowly and steadily, I'm, I'm finding my feet again. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's, on you go, John. I was just going to say, the one that I've just finished reading there just now is the stuff about... Um, kicking to Rob Roy um, I didn't actually realise they were away from their home for um, nine years and n- now they're potentially getting a home that's they're having to lease which um, hopefully they, they'll come to some agreement that lets them play there without having to cost, cost them too much but um, I find that article very interesting it was really good because um, community clubs are, are vital um, regardless of how big or small they are I think um, for for Someone like Maxi, who's the, obviously the gaffer at Rob Roy, he's, I've tried to put that across in the article, just how passionate he is, you know, not just about football, but mm-hmm. um, the community and, and the holistic development of, of, of players. He's not at all thinking of the, the, the short term, like I need players in and I need training facilities and I need X, Y and Z in order to break through this, um, you know, the, the league structure. That's not him at all. He's um, he's, he's he's very much thinking. You know, I'll, I'll get kids in at you know five years old, and they can come through our academy, and I'll talk to their parents and explain. You know, if if they've got the talent, we'll explain what that pathway looks like. And even talking to him a little bit more about his visions for this community hub, as as it would be. You know, he's saying we you know we would run homework clubs um for after school and we'd have old age pensioners in during the day and you know they can use the facilities. I mean it's just it's fantastic and um without delving too much into the politics of it, um Rob Roy and Maxie in particular have put an awful lot of thought into what they would use the space for. And there was a bit of a presumption that when Eastern Bartonshire agreed to build the site that Rob Roy would get for shout, and uh, it's not turned out that way at all. So they they had their uh, their, their protest on on Saturday, or so, sorry, rally I should call it rather than a protest uh, on Saturday in, in Kirkintilloch, which was very well attended. Um, so hopefully the the, the local councillors' ears were were burning, and um, you know they they make the right decision in the end because I think it would be a fantastic facility. Obviously, I'm looking at it from a you know I've had a dad of three who are all into their football and um, as, as a football fan and, you know, having followed Rob Roy on and off over the years, you know, I'm interested from that point of view, but just from a community perspective, it's it's a no-brainer for me. So, yeah, and I, I had great fun writing that article. Max is just such a passionate guy about everything. <laughs> um, he, he could talk for hours and hours and hours about um, about football, about development, about bringing on kids and just it's, it's fantastic so um, although it was absolutely freezing that night that I was interviewing him <laughs> but I suppose that's uh, that's just one part of, of, of this uh, this hobby I'm getting more and more into See with yourself Josh do you remember going to the old Rob Roy ground? I do um, I do remember going to the old uh, Rob Roy ground and, and yes, oh God, you're going back a few years now I actually forget because we've been going to watch them at Cumbernauld for 
Um, how, how many years is it? Seven years they've been at Cumbernauld. I think I think they left Adamsley in twenty fourteen. Right, aye, aye. So a, a few, a good few years anyway. But I do remember the last years going to, and and it was in a bit of a kind of there was a lot of kind of building works, and there was a lot of kind of I always remember there was a lot of um, these kind of containers uh, that they keep stuffing and all this kicking about, and, I, and you know, I was a bit younger then, so I didn't, you know, at that kind of point in time, obviously, didn't fully appreciate what was kind of going on at Rob Roy. Um, but yeah, I do remember it. It was it was it was a good ground. Yeah, I mean, it's like just it was it was a sort of standard junior yeah, ground. It was, but exactly, um, yeah, it was just a, a standard kind of you know you can t- you walked into the ground you could tell this place has been about for you know years and years. With uh, they they had a, a lovely Art Deco uh, pavilion and everything like that. You know, it was, yep, it, was it was quite quite, quite stylish. So it had it had its sort of charm and, and we features about it um, and obviously a, a real legacy in, in the junior game um, the, the amount of players who've come and gone through there, just uh, some fantastic names um, you know one of my heroes Chick Charlie spent a wee bit of time there yeah. as well so that was that was, that was was interesting when Chick moved there but um, yeah just be, you know I've, I really really hope it, um, they, they're able to push it through I remember in my early years supporting Talbot one of the first, actually, it would have been the first Junior Cup final I went to. Was it Rob Roy? Um, the old two legs affair, and they had it set up. It was one of the. It was surreal for going to a football match, but they almost had it set up as if it was like a fair. So they'd made a made a proper occasion of it, and like there was like for the kids, there was stuff like sweeties and coconut shies and all sorts. It was like a proper occasion. Um, that's my memories are there. It was one of the first. It would have been the first Junior Cup semi final I went to. Uh, thankfully, we won. So. Uh, <laughs> It was good. It was a good old ground. I liked it. But it's crazy nah, to think... Speaking of... Um, so, oh, sorry, John. Sorry. On you go, on you go. I was thinking about Rob, Rob Roy players there. I couldn't... I was trying to remember the, the guy. We actually did sign a Rob Roy player. I, I fully have made it quite a bit, Vinny. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, about, I think it was 2016, we, we signed Willie Sawyers, who... who <laughs> Who, who was an absolute goal machine for Rob Roy Kirk and Tillock. I think he scored about 30, 30 or 35 goals one season. He used to play and, for Clyde, didn't he? I think he did. I, he, he definitely had a bad pedigree. Um, and, and he was called Turbo, right? He got nicknamed Turbo, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he came into Urban Meadow. And um, they hurt me, the guy, but he was absolutely shocking for us. He was terrible. <laughs> and and, I, and he, I remember coming in and thinking, why are they calling this guy Turbo? He can't move. He can't <laughs> move at all. But uh, and then I think, he, I think he actually went back to Rob Roy after that and, scored and began did, scoring goals right. again. Yeah, it was obviously just a bad move at the wrong time for him. I think we had Talbot. I think we had Kenny Connolly, who's back at Rob Roy. I think these days, or that was his last club. Midfielder, don't remember him very. Kenny Connolly, no. I'd- Mm, I was I was at their um, quarter final against uh, Arthur Lee the other weekend. I don't think he was there. Unless maybe he stopped playing after a few years back. He's maybe mid to late thirties, so he might have stopped playing. But he was at Talbot maybe for a couple of seasons. Got a decent midfielder. Um, so and Rob Roy beat Talbot early in the season. Yes, <laughs> they did, and that, I, th- I think that's. I think it's it's a really difficult situation for Rob Roy because they are obviously playing away from home like all the time. Um so they've not got the home support that you would expect and things. And I, I think that's almost been 
it's, it's almost obvious in, 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 in their results over the last few years as well. They've, they've never really got a proper run together. They've, they've been sort of, they, they got away with it with COVID, with the leagues being called and everything like that. Um, they've, they've just never really hit their stride. They've always sort of some fantastic results, obviously, against some of the bigger names. And then, you know, like the other week, they, they lost 1 0 to Rosville. Up, up at Peters Hill, and it's it's that that's the kind of game you'd expect them to to, to step up. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd, in in that quarter final, I mean, it was a potential banana skin because obviously Arthur Lee are going great guns at the moment. Are they? Are, yeah. are, are, are they unbeaten all season? I think Arthur Lee maybe, and um, so I think they were probably licking their lips in that cup tie, um, and certainly in the first half they had Rob Roy in the ropes for a good. 15 minute spell in the first half and then things just fell away but I think you, you saw things really really clicking uh, particularly um, uh, uh, Craig Truesdale was playing for Rob Roy and obviously played at a higher level he was uh, I think still in Albion he was at uh, uh, in the senior game and he was just absolutely fantastic on the day he, he ran the show scored a great free kick and, and laid on a couple of the other goals but um, yeah they're they're doing okay, but I think there's there's a young team and there's ambition to do better. But they, it just comes back to they need a home, and with that consistency of the same training pitch, the, the same home ground, and everything like that, I think I think they can really build on. Do they'll stay up? <laughs> Aye, I think they will. I think they will. I think there's there's probably just enough. I know there's games in hand here, there, and everywhere all over the league, just the way that, that things have been this year, but. Um, I think there's probably just enough quality and enough energy in, in, in those young legs to, to, to get them through this season. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be tight. It seems like it's tight every year, to be honest. But uh, I, I think they'll just about make it. Aye, it's especially crazy though this year in terms of it's going to either be six or seven that go down into the whatever well, listen, they're going to call it. The new and, divisions, and, Division and, 1, whatever they're going to call it next year. Um, it's just a mess. It is a bit of a mess, but I think you know it's, it's it's going to be a mess for a couple of years, and then I think things will just sort of stabilise. And there's there's just so much optimism, um, and that probably comes through from from Stuart Maxwell as well. But there's just so much optimism for for the game at that level. You know they're 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 looking up, they're not looking down, and um, I think even if even if they were to go down. There's still the optimism. There's, there's, there's still the, the the energy to push forward and try and get as as high up as they possibly can. They've got a junior cup semi to look forward to as well. Against they Starbuck. do indeed. Although it'll be a, a very very tough game. Um, I, I, sorry, Vinny, I've, I've I've got to ask you before just before we move on for this. You were talking about Arthur Lee there, and I'm trying to remember their name. Uh, Davy and uh, the Winters brothers, they were pl- uh, we've not played Arthur Lee in a couple of years, right? And I remember that uh, Arthur Lee, Robbie Winters was playing for Arthur Lee for a period of time. That's right, I remember he, that. He was an absolute baller. He was about 40 years old. and he was, He's no still gone, is he? No, he, he wasn't playing <laughs> on, on uh, a couple of weeks ago, certainly. But uh, I remember, I can't remember how I came across it. Um, but I remember seeing him turning out for 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 Arthur Lee. Mm-hmm. And was, did you say David Winters yeah, was playing so, as well? They were the brothers. I uh, David Winters was his brother, but he was I think he was about ten years younger, and they only ever played kind of low low level junior, maybe League Two. 
but then I remember obviously Robbie was there and, and everybody was, was mad about him because he was he played with Bran and all, all sorts. But David if, started at Dundee United as well. Aye. aye. David's 40, but he's, he's not that much younger than Robbie. Is this a four like, five years? Well, well, like well, if he's forty, he must be a bit David Winters will be well finished then. <laughs> Was he playing in goals for Arthur Lee? Like he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, you've got two Aberdeen fans in the podcast as well. Like, come on. Oh, St. John, that's how you link for an upcoming guest. Yeah, exactly. It's because I'm, I'm interviewing uh, David's wife, Suzanne Winters, um, who was a oh, former footballer. Um oh. She was Suzanne Grant as a player, but um, now she's retired. She's going under married name now, so that's happening this week, and it will be rolled out on Friday. But we're busy with the podcast, aren't we? We are very busy, and it's going very to get busy. busier. It's going to get busier mm-hmm. until the rest of the season. Uh, right. So you mentioned about Chick Charlie, Vinny. Nice way you link in with your other team, or mm-hmm. I shouldn't say that your other team, your main team, isn't it? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Never say unfortunately, right. just be, pr- be proud of who you support. Yes, she's might get beat 4 0 every now and then, but you know, <laughs> still entertaining supporting the team. Listen, we're, 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 we're still holding our own. We've, we've got, we're winning on aggregate against Hamilton this year, so I'll take that. <laughs> That's right, because you beat them 6 1 live game early in the season, but um, I think the chances of getting automatic promotion are gone now after that result. Um, they're thrown up. I think the amount of games that they've had recently caught up with them. Well, no, I, th- I think that's a wee bit of an excuse because we, we had the situation last year. Okay, we we were a full-time team in, in League One, but um, in order to get all our games played last year, we went on that crazy run and I th- we were playing... I'm, I'm sure there was a Saturday, a, a Saturday, Tuesday, maybe even a Friday in there as well. We were playing two and three games a week to try and squeeze these games in and we went on a great run and we ended up... Um, winning the league last year so I think that's a wee bit of an excuse I think we've had unfortunate injuries like Darren Brownlee has missed the whole season I think it would, might have been a different story if, we, if we'd had that consistency at the back okay we've got we've, we've had a really really good defence but we got lucky uh, coming across uh, Tunji Akinola who's just been a fantastic player we managed to get Lewis Mayo back on loan from Rangers who um, will probably come on to it later, but you know, now and again at our level, you come across someone and you think that's a future, a potentially future Scotland player. There, Lewis Mayo has just been, um, re- you know, very very impressive. I think he's only twenty two or something like that at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see who he gets on. So we've we've done okay defensively, but I think Darren Brownley just added into that would have would have been really interesting. Um, we obviously let Zach Rudden go initially on loan to, to Dundee and get um, we, we ended up with Alex Yukubiak on uh, in, in return for that. You know, he's not really set the header alight, although I, I like an awful lot of what Yukubiak brings to the team, but he's, he's, he's not a direct replacement for Zach Rudden. Uh, Brian Graham is, you know, 34, 35 years old now and, you know, can turn a game on its head, but at the same time, he's he's, he's maybe not got the same legs he did uh, three, four years ago. Um, and Scott Tiffany's been missing an awful lot as well. You don't want to say that you're you're a one-man team, but when Scott Tiffany plays, it's it's a, it's a, it's a whole different ball game, to be honest. He's just been a, a revelation since he came to the club. Um, that combined with the issues we've had um, at Fur Hill in terms of the pitch um, is is you know 
we've not had our problems to seek. So considering all of these factors, I, I think, and if, and if before the season started, you'd said to us, you know, in with a shoot of a playoff spot, I, th- I think most fans probably would have taken that, to be quite honest. But, um, you know, if that doesn't work out, it will certainly be a, a season of what could have been. You think about some of the chances that we've, we've passed up on, some of the silly mistakes we've made in games. But I've, I've reflecting on it after that Hamilton game on Saturday. I do wonder if if us going up this year is actually the best thing. I don't know if we're quite ready yet. Um, I think there's, you know, there's maybe a couple of young players coming through the academy at the moment. But I wonder if we just settle down for a year if we'll be in a better position next year to to, to go and challenge properly and um, and then not just to try and get promoted, but also to, to stay up there. I fear that if we did go up this year, we maybe don't have that sustainability for, for, for years to come. We might just be in a relegation battle, um, uh, you know, the following season. So um, that's me with my very optimistic hat on, should things go completely awry in the last few weeks. But having said that, we've got Abroth and, and Kilmarnock still to play, so you never know. It'd be very thistle if we if we still had something to play for in the last day of the season, you know? I, I was going I was going to ask um, there, Vinny, um, I mean, I agree, you know, um, going up this season might not, be, might not actually be you know, sorry, not going up might not be a, a bad thing if I'm getting the um, if I'm getting the phrase right there, um, because I think p- particularly next year as well, I think Kelly, you know, probably are going to go up uh, automatically this year. So you know, with them out of the league and you know potentially Dundee who are in absolute free fall, I know it's down, a shame, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think that that potentially next season it's going to be a weaker championship in general. You know, without Kelly, I think Arbroath. A lot of their players are older. You know, I, I don't know if Arbroath could sustain this long term in terms of the, the bubble. So, so to, speak, to use that kind of term, um, so maybe next year would would be the kind of year for his. I'd be interested. Um, as, as a blue nose, um, myself, you, you were talking about um, Lewis Mayo there, but another kind of enigma that, that's kind of eluded a lot of Rangers fans is um, is uh, Morelos Mark II. Uh, one, uh, one, uh, no, uh, it's uh, aye, one Allegria. Yeah. Um, now, have you seen any of them? Because I've only seen brief clips of them in reserve games and you know, I think we were all expecting big things at, at Rangers, but it doesn't seem as if he set the header light at Perfect. Uh, bit of a YouTube player, I would say. Right, right. Um, he's, he's, he's very young. He's very young. Um, I think an awful lot of his game is built on his physicality. He's uh, and you know talk about YouTube. There's uh, the the one that did the rounds immediately was the game against was it Alawa, maybe um, or it was it was a game at Recreation right, Park. Yeah. Um, yeah, he scored a hat trick, and there was one of the goals I. You know how when you see a really, really good striker and they can just hang in the air forever and and, and just wait for that ball to come from? Mm-hmm. Um, it, there was one of his goals was like that just a fantastic header. What a great leap on him! Um, Saturday, for instance, he, he was listed on the bench and uh, Alec Kubiak pulled up in in, in the warm up. So Allegri went into the the starting lineup and he was I think it was the first ten minutes he was booked 
and so straight away that's that's his game gone. Okay. You know, if, if everything that you would expect him to be effective with, he, he just couldn't do anymore. Uh, but you know, having said that, he's he's, he's still young, um, and he's sort of. I think he's maybe had one or two starts since coming with us. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a game we, we drew up a, a gay field a, a few weeks ago, and he, when he came on, you know there was you no know, he, he was making a nuisance of himself and you know some powerful runs. Um, was involved in a couple of chances as well, just in his, his wee cameo he made. So there was there's some optimism. You don't want to write anybody off mm-hmm. um, at this stage. And, you, you know, you call them the, the mini Morelos. I remember having a conversation with someone in, in my workplace a, a few years ago, and it was when Morelos wasn't scoring and was a bit of a, a laughing stock. But I just kept saying to them was, he's getting in the positions. It, it, it will come. He's he's doing the hard bit of his his movement and his positioning and and knowing when to run. That's all there. It's just that finish that he needs. And then you know you you look at him now overtaking guys like McCoyst in terms of European goals. It's just ridiculous how how well he's doing. So yeah, certainly don't want to rate the guy off. And we we've had more than our fair share of duds from on on loan from the old firm. Um, but uh, I th- I think. Yeah, I, I, he, he needs to he needs to run a games, and I think that's probably what Rangers were hoping for, trying him out at this higher level. Um, you know, if if we can secure a top four place, I think we'll see a little bit more of him. Um, but I think there's just a wee bit of caginess just now. We just want to try and get games over the line, and uh, I'm not sure he's quite that finished article yet for us. Um, but you know, we'll watch his career with interest. If you do manage to go up this year, will it be as good as winning the Tenant Sixes in 1993? Still defending I, champions, David Irons keeps telling us. I, I was just going to say that. We've still got the trophy. It's still there in, in the cabinet, in the in the director's suite at Fur Hill. Um, and also, we are the, the, the forever champions of the Scottish First Division. Um, and 12 13, just before it changed to the championship, so we'll, we'll hang on to that as well. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, the tenant sixes I mean, I, I know they're bringing back the the, the masters. Um, what just what an incredible concept of having you know full time professional footballers um, taking a break from their season to, to go and play a six aside in the Kelvin Hall. Just absolutely fantastic. You, you'd love to see something like that um, again. And just to see how seriously they took it as well. It was, it was brilliant. Yes, so we'll... You would think, though, you know, in terms of... I mean, you think about how hard it is even to get, like, an interview with some players nowadays in terms of their agents <laughs> and things like that. Can you, can you even imagine... The prospect of getting these guys to stop mid-season to play six You just see the, the the club sports scientists covering their eyes. <laughs> can he watch? Can he watch? With it, with it, with the, the computer the thing, the, the sports bra they all wear. I've got, I've got a theory, right? They used to always hold it in the winter, didn't they? So yeah. They would January. To, yeah. They would need to hold it in Dubai now because all the players in the winter go to Dubai. So just have it in Dubai. They'll pay no, a load don't, don't hold it in Dubai, John. We'd never win. <laughs> Or, 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 or have it in Australia. Have it in Australia. I think Rangers fans would be quite happy with that. <laughs> as long as we're playing Celtic. No Fred is allowed. Well, actually, Josh, have you been on since that whole uh, situation? Are you bothered um, by it? Do you see it as a big deal? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I, 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 I do. I do see it as big. 
And do you know? Do you know why? Right. I'll just give you my ten cents. Clubs. It's it's not. It's hard to describe. My my, my big problem is it that is it with is with the fact that ninety five percent, ninety nine percent even of the fans are vehemently against that. Right. So so for me, that should be the decision made. Do you know, and and it's just it speaks to the disconnect with, with the way football clubs are run nowadays. You know, compared to their own support. Um, you know, you would. I mean, I don't know. I can't say this for certain, right? But I'm I'm fairly certain you would never get something like this happen in Germany, where it's fifty plus one. Um, I I don't I don't think you know something like that would would ever happen. But it's, watch, I'm saying this has probably already happened. Um, but but I don't think you know something like that would ever. Happen if, if you know, for example, Hearts are a fan, a fan run club. Um, I don't think they would ever play a friendly in Australia against Hibs. I don't think their, their fan group would go for that. Do you um, think if the money's right though, they would because the English clubs have been doing it for long enough in China, America. I, English like, clubs are tin pot joint, exactly. They are, they, exactly, they are, it's, but it's I, a tin, tin pot. We are tin pot. It's, tin pot. It's, it's money it comes down to, isn't it? That, right, but it's... For, for the for the boards, but but no for the fans, and that's what I'm saying about you know for example a a, a fan run club like Hearts. I, I don't think that that would happen. Um, you know what the other uh, Motherwell Saint Mirren. I don't think. I mean, fair enough. I don't think the, the derbies that they have are maybe quite as big and as intense and as marketable as the old firm is. But um, yeah, just like I said, 99.9% of fans are against it. So for me, that should have been the decision made. And I think, I actually think the club are backtracking on it massively. And and I think, I don't think it's going to go ahead. I think they'll, they'll pull out at cost to the club because I think they're, I'm led to believe apparently that there's some sort of contract um, being signed. And if they pull out, then it'll be, it, you know, will incur a financial cost. But that's... You know, that's the club's fault for not even consulting. I wonder if they actually consulted um, Club 1872, which is the largest fan um, shareholder. Um, I wonder if they actually consulted the fans on it at all, rather than just uh, made the decision from a kind of uh, PR marketing um, kind of business perspective. The thing is, I mean, um, it's, it's a lesser extent to remember the European Super League thing that was going on last year. And the follow that happened with that, and immediately Manchester United, Man City, Liverpool, etc. Right, we've messed up here. We better pull away from this as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, out of those twelve clubs, the only three that have not withdrawn are Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Juventus, which shows how far away they are from their fans and how much they give a damn about their supporters. Um, so when this was announced, I was stunned because the thing is, it's been billed as um, as Postecoglou's home homecoming. And that's for Rangers, that's, that's what it did well. Yeah, exactly. Another thing I don't get is, you know, this this is happening a couple of weeks before the World Cup finals. Now, that's another debate whether that should be happening at that time of year and in that country. But that's another debate. But why is this ha- why is this tournament happening when there's a World Cup about to happen? Because a lot of Rangers and Celtic players will only be able to play in this glamorous tournament. Um, because they'll be getting ready to play in the World Cup, certainly from a Scotland point of view. Hopefully, Aye. a few other players will be there. You don't remember when uh, Celtic and Rangers were playing friendlies when there were supposed to be league games getting played at the start of the season? Was that two or three seasons back? Remember? Yeah, th- th- Thistle fell foul of that a couple of times. Um, we we had games against Celtic postponed at, right at the start of the season. Yeah. 
At least though, if you play, you've got an impartial referee. <laughs> oh, right, oh, John, I'm, sure, I'm sure. I'm sure somebody would find out what type of school he went to. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that you know there, there would be some guys on the internet tracking down whether this guy's great great granny em, emigrated from from Bishop Briggs in in, in you know nineteen twenty <laughs> or something like that. You know, I think we should bring it on to. A more honest uh, Glasgow club here than go back to Partick Thistle. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, Benny, what's your um, favourite? Um, where did your love affair of Partick um, begin? Um, well, I suppose I, I think with, with so many people, it's it's kind of it's, it's your dad's fault, isn't it? The the, the club that you support. Um, so my my dad um, was 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 born in, in in Glasgow, and when he was uh, four or five years old. Uh, him and his family uh, emigrated to Canada. Uh, sadly, when they were over there, his 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 dad, my, my granddad, passed away, and um, they, they 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 came back to to Glasgow. And as 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 they came back to Possel, um all, all my dad's uncles were like, "We'll we'll take you along to Parkhead. You need to get into the football," because um, my dad was still calling it soccer and things like that. Um, and then it was my dad's granny said, "No, no, no, you're." You're not going to Ibrox. You're not going to Parkhead. Listen, there's there's a wee football team just down the road. You you can go there. So his uncles took him along to Farhill in 1963, um, and uh, yeah, he he was hooked immediately. I think we've got. I'm pretty sure we lost four two off Hearts in his first game, but um, he was he was he was hooked from that moment. Uh, so, in fact. Interestingly, it was one of the first articles I ever wrote for the Jags cast, um, going back maybe 12, 13 years, talking about the brainwashing process of, of, of being a parent. And it kind of started of, I was aware that my big brother and my dad went away for afternoons and I didn't really know what it was. And then it was my big sister went and it was this thing called the football and I, I I, I knew what football was, but I didn't understand. You went to a stadium to watch a team and things like that, and I'd, I'd be given all the hand-me-down party thistle strips and, and whatnot. And um, and then the the day came, um, and it was, do you want to come with us? And it was like, yes, absolutely. Like all this intrigue and and it had been built up over all these years. So I was just bursting to to finally go to a game, uh, which we 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 truly. Uh, drew one-one against Hibs, um, and uh, yeah, it was just without being too romantic about it, it. It was all that thing of it was the cigarette smoke combined with the smell of Bovril and all these shouts and people getting really angry and really happy and just seeing, you know, my, my siblings react to things and watching the crowd around you and all that kind of thing. It was, it was just fantastic, and I think for. Even as a young impressionable kid, just even the the colours of red and yellow just stand out. It's, it's something a wee bit different, um, and you know I'll, I'll maintain that. Okay, there's maybe a, a couple of countries I'll, I'll accept, but I think Scotland just have the best football team names uh, in the world. It's certainly up there. You you know some of the South African teams and, and maybe in the Netherlands as well, but um, just teams like Partick Thistle, Heart of Midlothian, Queen of the South, these fantastic romantic names. So I think I was always just caught up in that. And um, I think the other thing about Thistle was, you know, before a game would start, when you're seven, eight, nine years old, 
you could run down to the front where the players were warming up and shoot them over and they'd come over and sign your programme and have a wee chat with you and things like that and just starstruck by, you know, legends of the game like Kevin McKee and Steve Maskery. <laughs> it was, um, you know, I was, I was just hypnotised, um, you know, pretty much immediately. And uh, before you know it, you're, you're, you're stuck and Dick Campbell's your manager and you're in the second division. <laughs> um, and, uh, it's, even through those dark and difficult times, you're you're still there. You go through save the Jags. You you see your club nearly going to the wall, and then you come through it. And um, yeah, and you, I I, th- I think one of the the best things about Thistle is you get really really attached to some of these players, and they're, they're just guys. They're just normal guys. They're they're not superstars. They're not prima donnas. They don't think you know everyone's beneath them or anything like that they're just you know nine times out of ten when you meet a thistle player they're a lovely guy and um really honest hard-working guys and you become a thistle legend by understanding the club engaging with the fans realizing that you know you're you're not necessarily going to be competing at the highest level but the fans really appreciate someone who will give their all and um so yeah i think just over the years, it's 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 easy to fall in love with a football club, but um, I, th- I, th- I think I've been really lucky with with the club that uh, that, that, that was given to me, and mm-hmm. um, I think for all the difficult times, it, it just makes the good times all the sweeter. Like we're, we're going through an interesting phase at the moment where some of the some of the guys in their the late teens, early twenties, they remember the team of. 2012-13 in these premiership years so they think the last couple of years have been difficult <laughs> whereas actually the last couple of years have been quite normal um, and uh, I, th- I think just over time you'll you realise that as a Thistle fan it's it's not always shiny and bright with, uh, with, with club legends you need to go through some very turgid times but it does make it all the sweeter One club legend that comes straight to mind has got to be John Lambie, one of the great characters in Scottish football. Um, You know, twice he took Thistle into the the Premier League and kept them there. Um, And obviously the second time he took them up, they were actually in the third tier and got them up two um, two years in the bounce. Um, You know, some some incredible stories. You know, just what was it like um, supporting Thistle during those two times when he was the manager? So, um, I think, I think, the one that really stands out for me and the one that I'll, I'll remember most because I was, I was I was very young that first time uh, when we got promoted, 91, 92. Um, so I was very young then. So you that that's the kind of stage I was talking about of like my brother going to the games and you're somewhat aware of it. And um, But certainly that the, the season's 2000 to 2002 when we got the consecutive promotions under Lambie. It was just, it was really weird because not often do you just, totally trust who's in charge of your club like even some of the the old guys at games it would be like one one of the sort of informed players would be dropped and there wouldn't really be a question about it you'd just be like oh well it's Lambie he he, he knows what he's doing Um, and it it came up recently in the second division winning season in uh, 2000-2001 we had um, uh, a former Celtic player Mark McNally uh, we signed sort of halfway through the season. Uh, the Beast, we called him, because he, he had just this long, slicked back hair. He was a wee bit on the heavy side and things like that. But just a, 
just his class shone through. He was just a, a really, really effective central defender, um, someone who could walk the ball out of defence, who could pick a pass. Um, it, it, was, it was just a, a classic Lambie signing of who we're going to get to, to fill this hole in defence. Mark McNally, no one thought of Mark McNally, but Lambie found him and, and signed him in, on the Friday night and he was playing on the Saturday. And I remember Mark McNally was let go at the end of that season, getting promoted into the first division. And I, I was disappointed, and I know a lot of fans on sort of the early forums back in those days, they were like, I can't believe McNally's gone. I can't believe Peter Lindau's gone. Um, you know, these, these guys had really done a terrific job in, in the second division. But he brought in guys like Scott Patterson, um, who I maintain to this day should have got a Scotland cap with, with his form at Thistle when, when we went into the, uh, the Premier League. Um, and, you know, managed to get Jerry Britton and Derek Fleming and Jamie Dolan. Essentially, when we went into that first division team, he looked at the Livingston team that had just won promotion and said, yes, I'll have six or seven of those players, please. <laughs> the, the formula was there and he just knew what to do. Um, and these were guys, okay, they were part of that Livingston squad that went up. Uh, you know, that, that would have been like the David Fernandez team, um, all these guys. Um, but, you know, Jamie Dolan missed out on a, a league winner's medal. He didn't play enough games for that Livingston team. Jerry Brinton didn't play a lot. Derek Fleming had a wee bit more of a role to play. Mark McCulloch, Paul Dees, all these guys. And Lambie took these guys who were sort of semi-regulars for that Livingston team, just brought them to a level above what everyone thought they could do. And they were they were just phenomenal, just absolute standouts. He just had that knack of making players better. Um, I have to say, though, I don't think in this day and age, a lot, you, you can talk about his man management methods, maybe wouldn't uh, hold up the, these days. I think, you know, rightly so, players are, you know, are, are more sensitive. I think there's a recognition that they're, they're more human and you need to treat humans in a, in, you know, in, a, in, in the right way. Lambie and Jerry Collins maybe didn't always do that, but it was certainly effective. But so much of Lambie's success came from that thing of like signing a player on the Friday night. And back in those days, you didn't necessarily know you'd signed the player until they were in your starting lineup on the Saturday afternoon. Um, Alec Burns, uh, we signed from St Mirren halfway through that first division winning season as well. And that was literally Friday night onto, onto the Saturday. Um, and it was just a stroke of genius. It was almost like uh, Brian Clough and Peter Taylor of that, that situation of we have a problem. Who can we get to solve this problem? And they just had a way of saying, it'll be this guy and this is the exact role he'll fill and we'll get him to sign. And and, and it worked time after time after time for Lambie. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm quite a quite an emotional guy anyway, um, bit of a happy clappy kind of guy. But um, the, the day where the news came through that, that Lambie had passed away, it was... Um, it was it was it was a tough day and it was a tough period for for lots of Thistle fans because um, it was just somebody, particularly for me and in, in, in my age, being aware of Thistle and then starting to love Thistle through the eighties and nineties and two thousands. It was just he was always there. He was always around the club or he was always going to come back. Um, so it was you know a, a sad loss for for Thistle and, and Scottish football to be to be fair as well. I think um, the you know the word character is is overused probably, but um, he, he certainly was a character and the stories he could tell were just phenomenal. Danny, um, um, 
John, John Lambie um, famously uh, is responsible for, for probably one of the most, the most famous football quotes um, <laughs> in history. It's, def- it's always in my top three. Um, do, you, do you want to uh, remind us of it? So it was, uh, I believe the player was Colin McGlashan. Uh, suffered a suffered a head knock in a, in a game at Firhill. Comes off the pitch and the, the physio turns round to Lambie and says, "McGlashan will need to come off. He's, he has no idea who he is." Lambie says, "Tell him he's Pele and get him back on the pitch." <laughs> I love that story. Absolutely brilliant. If, you, if only we were as quick witted in the podcast, eh, John? <laughs> exactly. Remember that. See, just when we're going back to tenant and says, right, we like to do this question, but we're going to be talking about Scotland soon. So we sometimes ask this question at the end, but we'll go for it now because we'll maybe ask you a wee question later as well. So what's your best sets aside team following Partick Thistle over the years? Oh, Jinx put me on the spot there, right. Ah, let, me, let me think. So I think, again, and this is probably an indication of, of true Thistle fan, it's maybe not necessarily the the best player, but the ones that you have a connection to or, or, or with. So I think in goals, I think I'd, although he was a very good goalkeeper, I think it'd be oh, I was, oh, see, I was going to say a name there, and then I'm changing my mind. No, it's going to be Nicky Walker um, who was uh, our goalie in the 90s, just a fantastic um, goalkeeper with Aberdeen uh, he was, at he was a fantastic keeper for Aberdeen. <laughs> no, <laughs> but to be um, fair, he was done by then. <laughs> he, was, um, he was, you know, one of my sort of early heroes at, at Thistle. Fantastic uh, goalkeeper and um, our last player, I believe, to get a cap for Scotland uh, while still at Thistle. Uh, so okay, Nicky Walker in goals. So six aside. Let me think how I'm going to structure this now. Right, I think I'll need to have Scott Patterson. I'm literally writing this down now. Uh, I've got Scott Patterson at the back. So Scott Patterson, if you imagine um, an even more handsome Alan Hansen, um, and probably better than Alan Hansen as well, Scott Patterson was just, he, he had this terrific mullet, just you know, didn't look like a footballer, but just absolutely gallus. I remember at one point Lambie played him in a sort of um, CDM role at one point and he just strolled it, he just had this terrific vision, could pick passes from anywhere in, in the park, uh, great header of the ball um, freakishly scored two incredible goals against Inverness in our Scottish Cup run in, in 2002, one um, to to uh, to get his, a, a replay scored a, like headed it and then volleyed it from about 18 yards out and then scored a terrific free kick in the replay up at, up at Inverness on a absolutely minging night. Um, so I think uh, Shaggy, as he was known, Scott Patterson, has to, has to be in there. He was at Liverpool um, as well as a youngster. He was Andy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He was at okay, Liverpool. Um, Liverpool. Uh, I, th- I, th- I think, no, maybe we didn't sign him from Liverpool. I can't remember. He, he had a terrible, terrible injury with his, uh, with his back. And that's kind of what limited his, his career from going any further forward. He rocked up at Cove was that, Rangers. Was that, because of his, was that because of his nickname? <laughs> <laughs> allegedly. This is, I, I remember this from the Jags cast days, the amount of times I had to say, allegedly. <laughs> um, but um, he, he, he was welcomed back to the club when he was assistant manager um, with, with, with Archie. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think Patterson has to be in there. 
I might just kind of overload this team with midfielders, actually. So I think you don't need to say too much about him, but I think Chick Charlie needs to be in there um, for obvious reasons. Um, let me think, central midfielder. Do you know, I'm tempted. I know he has some controversial thoughts on coaching and, and management at the moment, where he wants to take young men to an island to teach them how to... Uh, uh, who, who, who to develop as, as individuals. Don't know if you remember that interview by Danny Lennon uh, talking about man management uh, for the BBC a wee while ago. That was uh, uh, raised a few eyebrows. But um, aside from his controversial man management skills, he was a, a terrific midfielder for us. Um, he was captain of that um, double win inside, winning both of those leagues consecutively. Um, and also... Uh, famously scored against Bayern Munich when he was uh, with Wraith Rovers. So I think I'll have Danny Lennon in there, someone just to hold together that midfield. Um, and let's see, I think I need to have, yeah, you know, a lot of people talk about Chick Charnley being quintessentially Partick Thistle and their all-time favourite player. And for a long time, Chick Charnley was, but he was um, he was overtaken by um, Chris Erskine for me. Um, and I think a lot of people who maybe didn't see Chris Erskine in those years before we got promoted to the to, to the Premiership. Um he was just unbelievable. He's he's he was one of these players and we, we kind of joke that he was a bit like a, another Thistle legend, Dennis McQuaid. He didn't even realise how good he was. He would you know and literally dribble past three or four players and then fall over the ball or pass it straight out of play. But for those moments of Chris Erskine magic, he was well worth his place in, in, in Thistle folklore. He's about to be inducted to the Partick Thistle Hall of Fame. Had three or four different spells with the club. Um, loves Partick Thistle. Just quite simply, I think, the most gifted footballer I've seen since Chick Charnley at, at Partick Thistle. And I include George Cadet in that. Um, <laughs> the just man as well, Chris Erskine. Uh, yeah, that's right. He was a, a Coburnley Ladeside. Aye. Um, so and you you could see how much he learned from playing at that level when when he came to Thistle. He was he was still pretty young, I think maybe twenty three or twenty four when he when he first came through to Thistle, and um, straight away just I, I described him on Twitter earlier as um, he has a footballing style like a, an octopus falling out of a tree. Um, he was just <laughs> arms and legs absolutely everywhere, but. Um, my, my goodness, what what a footballer scored just <laughs> so many of my favourite Thistle goals. Um, just an, an incredible player. So he's got to be in there. So what am I at? I'm at five and then up front. We've been blessed over the years with some legendary strikers. You know, I, I mentioned earlier about uh, you know, Jerry Britton. He he was fantastic um, for the for the years that he played for us again on different spells. Um, uh, uh, guys who are a wee bit older than me will talk very fondly about seeing Morris Johnson play for Thistle um, and how he, you could just see where he was set for, for levels above um, but I think I'd, I'd, I need to go for another guy from the junior set up uh, it has to be Chris Doolan for me um, again Doolan and Erskine just absolutely um, died in the role Partick Thistle legends uh, to for for a player this day and age to stick around at a club like Thistle for 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 ten years, 
and to score, I think he finished up 121 goals for Thistle. Um, just absolutely incredible. And again, I hit on it earlier, just a, a bloody nice guy. Just um, so humble. Anytime you spoke to him, just had time to stop for a photo, had time to talk to the kids. Um, and uh, he's just a, a fantastic guy and, and an, an incredible striker for us. Scored a whole range of goals as well, which I think was one of the most impressive things about Dolan. Um you know, he, he would dink it over keepers, great header of the ball for a guy who wasn't, you know, not quite six foot tall, great header of the ball. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think one thing that's missed about Chris Dolan is 121 goals for Thistle and he hardly ever took a penalty uh, for us. So if, if you were to hand the ball over to Chris Dolan for all those penalties that we would have got over those years as well, who knows what his numbers would have been. Um, so yes, I think that's that's a fairly decent six aside team there. Nicky Walker, Scott Patterson, Danny Lennon in the middle, letting Chick Charlie spray the passes, Erskine and Dolan linking up as well uh, to score plenty of goals. Yeah, I think that's quite good considering I was put on the spot for that. I'm quite happy with that. That's a, that's a pretty solid team, definitely. And before we move on from the Thistle stuff, um, you obviously... I've been taking interest in the the Thistle women's team. Um, you know they've obviously, given the fact that they were given what ten days notice to play at SWPL level, I think they've done fairly well, and they've got a cup quarter final to look forward to. You must be quite impressed with how um, you know Brian Graham is combining playing with um, managing the women's team. He's doing a pretty good job, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think the whole coaching team there have, have, have done an exceptional job, and it's it's not just getting results over the line. They continue to play some really, really nice football as well. Um, they've made some terrific signings. I think Rachel Donaldson coming in a couple of weeks ago is just a real statement of intent. You know, s- someone who's played at the very highest level and um, for, for her to come in, just the experience for some of these younger girls is just uh, terrific. It's, it's been a pleasure to see her play. Um, and I, I, I think, like I said, the recruitment has been terrific. And you said there, John, about it just being that 10 days notice, which is incredible in itself. The club was was literally, I, 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 it comes up in my Facebook uh, memories every so often, the, the day where they said, we're going to start a women's team. Do you know anyone who wants to play football? <laughs> and that was, that was only eight or nine years ago. So even that rise has been really dramatic. And it's, it's, it's something that... Um, Again, I was speaking to my wife about articles that I'd like to to write about, and I think that in itself is a story, um, just how how dramatic the rise has been. Um, I really, really hope they stay up, but I've really enjoyed watching them this year. I think Cheryl McCulloch is fast becoming uh, one of my favourite footballers. That girl just loves a tackle. (laughs) She's just, in the amount of times... um, maybe we're pushing on in the game or something like that and she'll appear in the left wing and it's like what are you doing <laughs> but she just she's she she's a winner um she's a terrific footballer um loves getting stuck in um you, you saw she, <laughs> it was, she scored a goal against hearts the other week and um there was a wee bit of debate whether the ball was over the line and it kind of bounced out again. But she was making sure it definitely went over the line. She took out about three players on her way through just to make sure this ball went over the line. She's um, a, a real battler. And the other one who I, I think is just um, terrific is um, Karen McBrearty. Um Her assists and goals this season have just been incredible. Just 
I genuinely believe one of the best left foots in, in, in the league. Um, she has really impressed me this year. And, you know, there's a lot of girls who have been in, been part of this squad for, for, for quite a wee while. And um, to see them push on and, and, and grow and develop as time's gone on has, has been amazing. And when you've got experienced people like Cheryl McCulloch or Rachel Donaldson coming into the team, um, it's, uh, it's 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 only going to help them. So again, a wee bit like this, the situation with Rob Roy and, and, and the junior setup. There's obviously a lot of restructuring happening in, in the women's game. They're handing over to the uh, SPFL. Um, so I really really hope that they can just hang on because it'd be an incredible achievement. We're looking, we're talking. Okay, you maybe look at Aberdeen as well, but we are talking like team of the year stuff. If if they manage to pull this off and, and stay up, um. It, it would be sensational. But I think, you know, success is one thing, but I think a lot of kudos has to go to, to the coaching team and, and the girls, the way that they've applied themselves. The the game on Sunday there against Glasgow City, you, know, you don't need me to tell you how successful a team that is. Um, and to, okay, ended in defeat, but to more than hold your own and to, to give Glasgow City a few scares and to keep it to 2-0 with a weakened team, because we've got Hibs coming up midweek. Um, and, you know, players were rested from the Thistle side on Sunday. And um, the application and the, 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 the set-up of the team was, was just fantastic and missing some real key players. Um, even Lauren Grant came in uh, for, for a first start. She's had a horrendous time with injury, taking over from Lauren McGregor in goals. She was... She was great. She her handling was good throughout the game. A couple of fantastic one-on-one stops, um, and it's 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 just it's lovely to see. And um, like I said, not just this season, but to see how far they've come over the years as well. Crowds are growing as well. It's just it, it, it's wonderful. Um, so I'm, I'm pleased you brought that up because I, I feel very passionately about uh, the the growth of the women's game at the moment. Um, my wife's wee cousin um, plays for Celtic under 19s. So it's great for my kids as well that their big cousin uh, is, is 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 a female who plays football. It just doesn't enter into their consciousness that it's that that it's a man's game or any such nonsense like that. They've grown up knowing that Claire plays football, and it's it's just not an issue for them. Um, my eldest son Callum, he um, he comes to um, most games that I, I go to as well. Uh, he gets just as excited going to see Thistle women or Scotland women as he does going to see the, the men's teams, which is terrific. Um, Lewis, my, my, my middle child, he, um, uh, he he comes along as well. It's just not not a thing to them, uh, which is terrific because I remember when I was at school, there was um, just such a stigma about girls playing football and I see just such a, a massive change in, in that culture at the moment. So long may it continue. You were saying about stigma, even I think less than 10 years ago, my boy used to play football and there was a girl on the team and it was a case of once she got to a certain age, she couldn't play with him anymore. Yeah. Stop playing. And she'd grown up with the team since she was like seven years old. It got to a certain age. I think it was about 14. It was like, I can't play anymore. Had to go and find a new team. And you know, that, that that's, that's only 10 years ago. And it wasn't that long ago that women were banned from playing football uh, at you know, organised football in Scotland. Mm-hmm. So going from that, you know, 40, 50 years ago to now, it's, you know, the, the only way is up. And I've, I would really, anyone who's, you know, poo-pooed the idea of going along to a women's game or anything like that, 
go for it, try it. It's 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 a different atmosphere it, um, at the games. That was one thing that really struck me. It's it's a family friendly atmosphere, which is one thing, but the standard of football is really good. I've been I've been so so impressed. Um, it's only been the last two three years that I've I've been getting into it. Probably actually since the Women's World Cup, where, where Scotland qualified, yeah. where we started to take more of an interest in it as a family. Um, and you know the, these, these these girls are, are household names. Um, Callum going to that uh, Jamaica game, he was just over the moon to get his picture taken with Lisa Evans. Um, and you know if, the the picture is just fantastic, even more so than getting his picture taken with Chris Doolan or Chris Erskine or anything like that. It's it's it's, it's brilliant. So um, a bit terrified of the Spain game <laughs> coming up. Mm-hmm. I think that could be. Um, a, get a bit of a doing there but um it's you know I'd, we'll be there because <laughs> it's just it's it's great fun and it's a chance to see a you know a really accomplished team and to you know obviously cheer on scotland um in the most optimistic sense <laughs> talking of family friendly when is the night pathology you've got aberdeen women playing rangers women and obviously aberdeen and rangers are always friendly family friendly occasions so <laughs> um, good news is though if you are able to go um, Aberdeen fans, season ticket holders, Aberdeen A, it's free to get in. Um, otherwise, it's five pound. So if you are in the area, great value. Um, Rangers are obviously looking pretty good for the league. Um, looks like Glasgow City's domination could maybe end. Um, and Aberdeen having a fantastic season for getting promoted. Um, yeah, yeah, fifth in the league. Yeah. I mean, they're doing they're doing exceptional. Um, Hunter, we've also had on a couple of times. Um, She's doing a terrific job, and I think the girl will be able to just, and I don't think it'll be Aberdeen at the end of the season. I think she'll move on somewhere. Yeah, I know. So if she's rubbish, she's... Um... <laughs> I mean, how, how old is she? Is she 19 or something like that? 18 or 19, I think she, she is. She, I would she actually is. say to Pedro to call her up for this, the, the upcoming squad, to be honest I, with I, you. I, I think she, she has been incredible. Obviously, I got to see her um, uh, a couple of weeks ago against Thistle. She was just... Apps, I, you know, I talked about her earlier, but to give someone like Cheryl McCulloch a, a really, really hard time and obviously scoring a couple of the goals, um, she, she's sensational. Just uh, while I'm on that, in terms of promising young players, we had on loan from Celtic initially. She's now signed permanently for Motherwell. Um, uh, uh, London Pollard, who, um, when I first saw her playing for Thistle, the, the word that sprung to mind was just like, raw, just that raw talent of lots of power, lots of pace, just as soon as she gets the ball, just head down, driving at defences. Um, and obviously she was she was playing, you know, at the time, playing for a, a, a struggling Thistle side. So maybe wasn't getting the opportunities that, that she uh, was due. But uh, it's great to see her sort of taken off well uh, at Motherwell. I think she's another phenomenal talent that, that people should be um, taking notice of as well. Again, 17 maybe like just incredible to see see this talent coming through but Hutchison at Aberdeen as well just it, do you know what you're, you're saying five pounds for people who aren't season ticket holders and stuff go along it's um it's it's, it's well it's more it's more than uh worth that amount of money it's um it's, it's terrific bring the kids bring bring the whole family um and uh, have a good night out Aye, absolutely. Uh, before we move on to uh, Scotland, the upcoming friendlies, we need to give a shout out to Dundee United women's team who have gained promotion to SWPL one uh, a tremendous season, unbeaten. It's, yep. It's, and far in the head the best team in that league. So they've gained promotion already. I think two go up, 
So you put Kilmarnock Monarch in for it, we've got friends from Kilmarnock. Second place gets a playoff against the second bottom in the SWPL win. So as things stand, it's Glasgow Women versus Hearts, but that could easily change because Glasgow Women are not in a good run of form just now. I'm blaming my boy. He said it was two up automatically and he's involved in the women's game, so I'll be having words with him. Need enough. Oh, definitely playoffs. Need enough of him. Um, Right, let's move on to Scotland. It's not as exciting as we were hoping. We were hoping for a playoff action on Thursday, but it's a wee bit different. We've got Poland. Do we think Poland are probably going to rest players, seeing as they've got an actual bigger fish to fry? I, I, I don't know. I think it's maybe an opportunity for them to just make sure the momentum's there. They've also had a bit of a setback. They were anticipating a, a very competitive game against uh, against Russia. So that's been taken away from them. So I'm... I'm not sure if they will be too experimental. I think, um, I, I think because it's a friendly, you know, we, we will see some of the, the star players playing. Um, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think it is about momentum for them. If if they take does that risk, even at that highest level of, you know, being a wee bit complacent in a in a warm up game and then suddenly having to be hundred percent just a few days later. Um, so I'm I'm not sure how easy they will take it. I suppose as well, and from our point of view, much as we are just playing friendlies, we want to keep momentum as well. Well, this yeah, is that was the scary thing. This is we've we've won six in the trot, and okay, it's Poland. Okay, it's a friendly, but you don't want to lose that. <laughs> I'll be honest. I dread friendlies. I, I, I hate them. I've seen so many terrible Scotland friendlies over the years. It's just the word friendly. It's a bit sick. I, a, bit like, a bit like you earlier, George, with the Rangers, and I just hate them. I, I just think. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't hate friend. I don't hate friendlies um, at all. Um, I, I think a lot of the excitement, obviously, has been taken out of it because we're actually now used to seeing Scotland do well in competitive games. Um, it's it's going to be a chance to maybe see some players that we've not seen before. Ross Stewart's been called up, Craig Halkett, uh, Xander Clark, um, you know. Um, so, so, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, maybe Lewis Ferguson will get some game time. be interesting to see a few players that maybe wouldn't get game time normally. I know we'll see some changes at centre-back. Um, Hickey will be in possibly at left-back. I know Robertson's dropped out. Um, so, I was wondering yeah. whether Hickey might even play right wing back because obviously Patterson's not been playing thinking. forever and O'Donnell's been in and out the Motherwell team do we, do we look well, at Hickey the fact he's playing regularly he's played a couple of games recently for Bologna at right wing back I'm, I'm led to believe I'm led to believe that the few games that he's played for Bologna at right back haven't actually been that inspiring um, and the, he's, the best of his football has been at left back now I'm not saying that I don't want to give it a go for him at right back because you know as as we all know he's a right he's right footed and he's um I think he's in the top five minutes in Europe for um across all the leagues in Europe I think he's top, I think he's the highest I think he's top, the highest what, 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 either highest or he's in the top five for minutes in terms of game time top, I think uh, he's the highest in the top five leagues and that's top, it top ten uh, teenagers for scoring goals which is impressive for position. Yeah, so so for all excited to, to seeing a few of these players, I've got to, I've got to say the whole the whole setup's just been another. I mean, just when 
we're really starting to turn the corner. You know, the prices are improving in terms of the packages for the games and that. You know, the, the SFA, they, they find a way to outdo their own stupidity as always. The, I just think the whole setup for next week is just a nightmare, um, for, particularly for folk that are going away. So I'm at this weird, we're at this really weird scenario where I've got flights booked to go to Austria, but we've also got the bus booked to go to Wales. And I don't know where I'm going um, until Thursday night when I'll be presumably... I'll be standing in the Poland game, which is a friendly that doesn't mean anything, right? Um, watching out for the Austria-Wales result to find out where I'm going so that I can book accommodation while I'm in the game. Josh, I reckon um, you should just go That's to not an SFA problem. That's go to the opposite. FIFA. Go to the opposite well, one. Yeah. I reckon I forget Wales go Austria. You have more fun, I think. Um, yeah. S- sorry, say that. Give me that again. Cheaper going to Austria than where we're going to Wales regardless. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite keen to go to Austria, to be honest. But, yeah, um, friendlies. Would would, it, would I be more excited if the games were competitive? Yes. Um, uh, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, the, the, the thing I'm more annoyed about is that I've got a holiday booked in June, which means I'm going to miss one of the Nations League games. And if this Ukraine game gets scheduled <laughs> while I'm away on holiday, <laughs> I will hit the fucking roof. Oh, here we go. I, I, I've been waiting for this for months and I don't know, you know, I got this holidays. I'm, I've, oh, I'm kind of, I kind of, it's given, it's given me, it's actually given me anxiety thinking about it. Just cancel, um, the, cancel yeah. the holiday. Yeah, ass- the missus will understand. She'll be fine. I'm assuming we'll find out on Friday um, from UEFA and FIFA what's actually happening with these fixtures, and they've drawn up a contingency plan depending on which one we're, um, well, we're potentially facing it at Wales and Austria because. If one of them are in the playoffs, it's it's only that team's Nations League fixtures that get um rejigged and not um like for example, if Wales win the game, they'll have an overload in, in June, whereas Austria won't because they'll be out. You would think so, John. That would that would be logical and common sense. So <laughs> we'll probably find out in the end of May what's happening. Aye, <laughs> May the thirty first that we're playing on June the fourth. <laughs> I mean, we've given SFA a lot of credit recently for ticket prices, but we need to mention the fiasco last week. We try to get tickets. I don't know how it's working because last time I managed to get tickets, no bother, within about five minutes. Poor John was struggling and ripping your hair out. This time you get tickets fine, mm-hmm. and then I couldn't get tickets till about. I think it was Wednesday evening. Now, don't tell my employers, but I, I lost a day's work trying to get tickets on Tuesday. <laughs> it's, 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 it's good there's no chance your employers are ever here. <laughs> <laughs> um, they need to update the site. The fact that the lack of communication, not letting folk know what was going on, I think that was the biggest thing because, um, joking aside, people were on Tuesday trying to get tickets, trying to get your usual seats, struggling with that because folk like their usual seats. They like this, and I could have got a like, good seat, whereas I've ended up somewhere a bit patchy, I'll be honest. Uh, not my favourite choice, so get that sorted. There, there, have, there have been a few shambles like like that over these. I mean, even, I'm even a wee bit annoyed at the, the kind of away ticketing scenario where, where we have to buy a, a ticket for a Wales away and a ticket for Austria away for a friendly, and then they'll, they'll refund us whatever one doesn't happen. So, you know, they're just, yeah. I, I get that it's difficult circumstances for them, but just yeah, and the, the thing about the thing that you're saying about there, John, it was an issue months ago, so they should have resolved it. 
you know, yeah. it was an issue yeah. months and months ago. Um, and, and, you know, people tell them, people tell them on Twitter, you know, people are constantly tweeting the SSC um, saying this is an issue, why is this happening? And they've had months to resolve it. So. Would it be safe to say they bogs it up? I think yes. it's fair. I think it's fair to say like they haven't acted on. <laughs> Sorry, John. On Come you on, go, John. You, surely you've seen the link there. That was right over your head. Yes. I mean, I'm talking about tearing your hair out. So, manscaped, you can <laughs> get your 1.0. It will not tear your hair out. We need to say it will not tear your hair out. It will trim it nicely. So, we always like to mention when the Scotland games are happening. Get your wee design, a wee line rampant, a wee salt tire, whatever you want. Just make it pretty, make it stand out. So uk.manscaped.com, 20% off, free shipping. Remember, everyone, the code now is SFF20. Capital letters for the, the letters, obviously, and numbers are just numbers. Uh, and that was basically because we were, supposedly, scammers were using our old code to get discounts. And we don't condone that. Uh, so, John, who should we send our pictures to of our pretty designs? <laughs> send them Erin. Send them to Erin. Um, sure she'll appreciate that in her holiday, uh, looking uh, at salt tires. Well, she'll, be, she'll be by the pool, so she'll probably see a few stray pubes um, and all that by the pool. Well, I mean, I mean she, might, she, might jo- she might, John, but not if they've all been using SFF20 to get their manscaped <laughs> exactly, on. Exactly, exactly. So, I, uh, if you don't want to have stray pubes on your holiday... <laughs> <laughs> then get the lawnmower 4.0 make it nice and smooth um, talking about Erin have a nice holiday Alan. <laughs> talking about Erin she's not here tonight because we all know she likes Paddington Bear she has packed her suitcase I think like Paddington Bear for going on holiday I don't know if anyone's seen that in our socials or oh, it was an absolute riot before she parked but she looked, it looks like, actually it looks like a Paddington Bear suitcase but is it is marmalade all over it <laughs> Marmalade would be the least of the problems. Um, it'll probably be like pizzas, pot pies, and prosecco. All the peas. All the peas, aye. Um, so, yes, we, we should mention Erin has got a question for you, Vinny. She has a question for everybody. You've heard the podcast, so you probably know yep. what question's coming up. Your favourite pie. Well, this is a, a, a bit of a, a, a sore point for me, but you know. Being able to talk about it on on a on a grand scale is, is what will, will do me a favour. Have you been to Pies and Orvis? Have you been to Pies and so, Orvis? No, not yet. But this this is a this is a deeper issue. And you know, um, if if I can be seen, no, I'm kidding. On. Uh, I actually have uh, celiac disease, so I follow a gluten free diet um, for 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 medical reasons. Unlike Novak Djokovic, who um, angers the celiac community for for being a fake celiac. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so believe it or not, I've never had a pie at the football, and I think you know Thistle being the type of team they are, they should they they should recognise that you know that within our support, if you want to go down the stereotypical route, of course there's people who follow a gluten free diet and the Thistle support, so there, there should absolutely be uh, be gluten free pies. Um, but Wait a minute, said, are you telling me at Thistle they sell pies? I thought it was three course meals at Anything before they <laughs> Well, yeah, it's amazing what you can get in a pie, lobster thermidor pie, or a delight if you get the right season. I like a cheeky wee lobster thermidor, that has to be said. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'd, but having said that, I've, I've been fortunate in my life to be surrounded by uh, very talented domestic cooks. So, um, 
based on what I've been able to 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 have with within houses, uh, it's, it's a steak pie for me. Just uh, just classic, just delicious. But if there's any um, supporter liaison officers out there or anyone from from Pie Sports uh, wants to try a gluten free pie, then I'm your man. I'll I'll trial it. Oh, I'm tag them in this. Aye, absolutely. Serious issue then. So at the football, where you pretty much you can't really have anything deep. That's that's me. You can have both both gluten free. Yeah. Um. But but that's about it. So uh, I'm I'm one of those. I I'd, I'd like to pretend that it's, it's kind of tradition in, in in Spain to bring along your bocadillo and to have it half time wrapped in tin foil. Yep. Um. So it's not maybe the the usual kind of tin foil you'd see in the northwest of Glasgow. Um. <laughs> but um, I'll, I'll often arrive at games with my own wee sandwich and I'll, I'll enjoy that at half time while my, my my children gorge on sausage rolls and pies. <laughs> On a serious note, though, like they've got a vegan stall at hand, and it is awful. Maybe they should have like a, a stall for alternative food. Well, just, I, just me and an awful lot of other pale people in the queue waiting <laughs> for some gluten-free food. I, I was go- I was going to ask um, John. Uh, I, I was going to ask Vinny uh, just because this is the first time that I, I've been on with a party Thistle uh, fan on the podcast. So um, rather than ask your favourite pie, I was going to ask you what's your favourite bottle of red wine. Um, do, do you enjoy more of a San Giovese or, or is it a kind of Malbec? Are you a, a Malbec well, man? Well, if, if it's just your bog standard midweek uh, evening, it's Malbec. But um, if, if you're looking for if, if you're looking for something to accompany your Chateaubriand um, of a oh, Friday evening, yeah. it's, 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 got, it's got to be a Barolo. Uh, like <laughs> a uh, expensive taste. Yeah, I hope he's not expecting payment. <laughs> and Mal, so, Malbec, Malbec's is midweeker. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got the wine we've got um, the, um, the meal who would your um, f- if you were to have a dinner party and have four guests in the world of football um, who would you be inviting <laughs> well I, I, again I'm I love this question who, 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 who'd be able to stomach the Chateaubriand um, oh, I'm there yeah I, 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 I suppose you're well actually so, someone who do you know, growing up in the eighties and nineties, it's it's maybe someone you appreciated from a Scotland perspective, but at a club level you didn't particularly like. But in recent times, has just become you know a, a national emblem, an icon. I think you need to have Ali McCoy to come along to your dinner party, um, because um, not not only would he would he have all these terrific stories to give you, but he'd also uh, be full of information about the local area, as we all enjoyed during the, the, the World Cup in Russia. Just if the game was dying down a little bit, he'd be like, you know, I took a wee wander around, around the town earlier. Did you know that in the 16th century, and he'd, he'd dream off all these facts. So I think I think uh, Ali McCoist uh, would have to be there. My, my son met him recently at a football tournament, and uh, he was just an absolute gem. Lovely, lovely guy. Uh, make sure so your wife's out for the night. I was going to just say that. Despite being a household, despite being a household of Partick Thistle fans, uh, when I was younger, um, my sister had a signed picture of Ali McCoy in, in her bedroom <laughs> uh, when she was growing up. She'll be mortified that I've shared that. But um, got shorts from the nineties. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think Ali. How many did you say? Four people. Four, I think. Four people. Oh, I think. Um, can can they? Do they need to be alive? <laughs> but there's been people who've um, been digging ones up for the grave for this kind of thing, so you can do the same. <laughs> well, I think um, I, th- I, th- I think I would... Oh, this this could be interesting, actually. 
because uh, you, you've got the, you know, Ali would lift the mood a wee bit, and then I think you need to have someone who's who's a, a realist, but with a very dark sense of humour. So I think one one of my heroes, someone that I've 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 read so much about and watched so much about when I was younger, have faint uh, uh, faint memories of him. Um, actually, Jonathan Wilson, who I mentioned earlier, a terrific author, he he wrote a terrific biography on him. Uh, so I think Brian Clough would need to come along. Um, just someone who. Uh, you know, I spoke earlier about someone like Stuart Maxwell, just with a passion of the game. Brian Clough did it in such a cool manner uh, and just a, a wonderful guy. So I think I'd have Cloughy there with Ali McCoyst. Um, uh, do you know what? Why not? Martin Allen. Do you remember Martin Allen? Um, who was... Uh, he, he was a Play sort for of... Spurs? No. Uh, I'm sorry, who did you say? Play for Spurs. Uh, Paul play... Allen. That's, that's... No, it was a few. It was... Clive, Paul Allen, the guy from American Psycho. Um, <laughs> no, Martin Allen was. Um, to, 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 I, I would like Martin Allen from his managerial career. Um, it was when I was speaking to John in, in the lead up um, to, to to recording this episode. I, I shared with him one of the the classic Jags cast episodes, um, which was called Pi Scalextric. Um, the, the reason for that title was we were looking for new initiatives to bring uh, fans to the game. It's when St. Polly had their sausage train that would go around the hospitality suite and you could get your your, your bratwurst and everything like that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You could have told me about sausage train earlier. That would have been a good ad. <laughs> a, good link, a good link for the ad. That kind of joke, get a reputation as being a square guy. Okay, don't mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we, we'd, we'd heard about St. Polly's sausage train, so we thought you could make turn that into a Scottish perspective and have Pies Galextric. So anyway, in, in that classic episode of the Jags cast, we used to have the John Lambie Hall of Fame where you'd um, uh, in, in, induct managers into it who were of a similar ilk. Uh, so you'd have guys like Bella Gutman and, 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 and um, uh, Herrera had been inducted into it and Martin Allen was one of them. And um, if, if, I can, if I can find a link, I think it's when he became Notts County manager, maybe for the first time. And they put a plea out on on the the club's official website, um, basically looking for digs. <laughs> so he would accepted the job, and part of his statement for accepting the job was, um, "If anyone could put me up <laughs> while I, while I'm while I'm doing the job, it's just me and my dog." <laughs> um, and that was on the official club website. So if if uh, I would encourage anyone to look for that for any Martin Allen uh, analogies, um, is that a sausage uh, dog? Uh, <laughs> <that> <laughs> <laughs> it's that time in the podcast you know that way when it's oh we got there so yeah Martin <laughs> Allen has come along as well I think he'd, he'd fit in quite well with, with the crowd so far and uh, let me see for my final one oh, do you know what one of my early football heroes um, and just you know like I said earlier I'm a bit of a romantic of the game and l- listening to this guy talk about football especially now that he's retired he said, someone asked him once, what is it you missed most about football? And for some players, they maybe answer, you know, the competitiveness, you know, the, the, the banter in the dressing room, everything like that. This, uh, this hero of mine responded saying, the grass, the smell of the grass as you walk onto the pitch. And I was just like, that's, that's perfect. How great is that? So um, that would, my final place would go to uh, uh, Giuseppe Signore. Um, who was a huge hero of mine in in the uh, Gazetta Football Italia days? You know, wee guy, five foot six, I think. 
used to wear five, size five boots, which were too small for him because he, he would tell people he could feel the ball better wearing these smaller boots. Just a terrific guy. Um, for those of the those of you who aren't familiar with with, with wee Beppe Signore, um, I recommend you you go and uh, just just watch his penalties. That's <laughs> just what the, I was thinking. The, the strangest run up at all. Yeah, just just really weird. Just would stand there and you look at that these days when you're watching a penalty shoot, you'd be like, oh, no run up, he's going to miss. You know, we Beppe rarely missed. He was just a terrific wee guy, such a skillful player, and um, never just. Okay, there were a lot of guys ahead of him, maybe in the pecking order for the for the national team, but never quite got the uh, the, the accolades he should have got uh, for for the national side. But a big hero of mine, so I think that would bring a wee bit of class and culture. I think him and Ali would would hit it off well, and he'd have Clough and Martin Allen at the other end of the table, and I'd just be there just lapping it up. I still fondly remember the first Channel 4 game of Football Italia and it was Sampdoria versus Lazio. Lazio Signora yeah. got two goals that day in a three-inch draw. Absolute classic game. Best football theme tune ever, that one, in my opinion. Yes, yeah, my ringtone. Yeah. Yes. Um, before we wrap up, I've got two questions for you from listeners. So you might have seen these already, so you've maybe had a chance to prepare an answer, which... Oh, you might not have seen them. No, so not Alan Air Force One, uh, commonly known on Twitter. I like this one. It's a wee bit different. It's a great name. Which Scotland player do you reckon could run the fastest 10k with a buggy? <laughs> so um, uh, there's there's a bit of background to this. I I do I do a lot of running. Um, not not very well. I hasten to add. Um, but obviously being a, a, a dad of three, the the time to go out for a run can be quite limited. So um, we. I managed to acquire a running buggy um, when my when my daughter was born. So she comes out with me on on runs um, quite often. Uh, so yesterday, he's obviously had a look on my Twitter. <laughs> so yesterday, uh, I managed a 10k for the first time in quite a wee while in 56 minutes pushing the buggy. So I was quite pleased with that. So well, well actually, people? your daughter would have been quicker because she was ahead of you. So well, this is true. she finished first, <laughs> <laughs> but she was sleeping, so I don't know if we'll allow it. Um, so unless he was on backwards, John, <laughs> <laughs> I'll remember that for next time. She, she's not beating me, like. <laughs> just, just um, in the end, do that like head, you know, like when the athletics uh, runners yeah, uh, just lean dive, forward, just lean forward. I'll just, I'll just let go of the buggy, run ahead, and just see it falling <laughs> off into a, a ditch somewhere. <laughs> um, so yeah, who who do I think could could run a, a good ten k pushing the buggy? Oh, I need to be someone with, with with good arms. Try to think someone. Uh, do, do, do. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm thinking someone quite bulky. Oh, who's your man at Motherwell, uh, Van Veen? That mm. guy, right? Yeah, he's he's got a little bit of pace about him, but he's he's a fairly sturdy guy. I think he's got the arms to push a buggy along quite quite happily for ten k. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll go for Van Veen. Van Veen, um, I, I know you. I know you. Oh, oh, it has to be a Scot, isn't Scotland? Oh, right. Van Veen. I can see Van Veen, but Scott, I think he was made in Scotland. Oh, that's a, it. Has to be Shea Adams. If I'm if I'm looking for that sort of similar bulk, that similar strength, and someone who who who, who can. Just run and run and run. Uh, yeah, it's got to be Shea Adams, I think. Do I say, know, so who, who's your man for it? You've got to say Scott McTomney. Um, and, and the reason why, did any of you see his 5K time last year? No. 
he done a, you know, last, oh God, you're going back two years now, you know, you know that period of COVID where everybody was posting their 5Ks? Aye. Uh, and he done a 5K in 16 minutes, one second. Nah, I'm not buying mate, that. I'm mate, not... I seen it, it was insane. Aye, just because he puts up, you put up I mean, to be fair, on social media all the time, I don't believe half of it, Josh. Well, to, I mean, to be fair, the guy's, uh, you know, a world-class professional footballer, so you'd expect them to be quite nippy. Right, yeah, I've, got pick, I've, got, I've got a pick. He's not in the current Scotland squad, but Lee Griffiths must have a favourite mug of his body. Yeah, lo- lo- lots of practice. <laughs> <good about it. laughs> you need a wheelbarrow for all his um, another, another, another question. Uh, this one was from Dive Jester, otherwise known as Grant on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if it's someone, <laughs> someone maybe you know. Yeah, I think I know Grant, yeah. Um, so he has asked if you can only have one, and this keeps nice over the theme of the podcast mm-hmm. Scotland to win the Euros or the World Cup, or the Jags to win the S, well, the Premiership and get into the Champions League. Uh, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think, uh, yeah, I, I can obviously ben- see benefits of both. However, I think, you know, g- given the reasons that I love supporting Thistle and the reasons that I love supporting Scotland. I think if Thistle got to the position of winning the Premiership and getting into the Champions League, something has gone awry. There's been a takeover or there's been the wrong kind of investment put into the club there that I'm not going to be a fan of. There's going to be some dodgy owners um, involved here or something like that. So, yeah, I no, I Listen, I think if we had the opportunity to, to, to go on and on and on for, for 60 years like uh, England fans do about 1966, I think uh, the, for me it's a no-brainer. I think Scotland winning the World Cup uh, wins there. And that's not necessarily a taking club over country view because uh, my, my view on that swithers. Like this week, I'm all about Scotland because this will got gubbed at the weekend. <laughs> but um, yeah, I th- yeah, for for me, if if this will have got to that point, then then something's gone wrong with the makeup of the club. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so for me, Scotland winning the World Cup, winning a major tournament. Oh, I've got goosebumps thinking about it. I don't know if you if you clocked it. I, I think it was on the, a view to a terrace. They had the feature. And it was in two parts. Project Unicorn. You can still watch it on on YouTube, and it's um, people. Uh, for those who haven't seen it, it's it's people talking in hindsight of Scotland's um, run or during the Qatar World Cup, and um, it actually has quite a poignant message in it. It's talking. Uh, oh, I was to, in that. So, well, were you were you in it? I was one of the voices in that. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> <laughs> it's, honestly, it's, I, I know that I know the team um, uh, studio something put together some some wonderful things, but I go back and rewatch this regularly and still get goosebumps <laughs> watching it. Um, it's it's a, a fantastic piece of film, and there's this one bit where um, your woman, who's uh, who's officer Karen from Scott Squad, I think she she's involved in the <laughs> Scottish government or something, and. It's a really, really poignant moment in amongst the sort of dark humour of it. And she says, we don't plan for success. We didn't have a plan for Scotland getting this far in the World Cup. Why don't we have that? And the first time I watched it, you just got the goosebumps and you're like, oh, this is quite a good laugh. And then I don't know how many times I've rewatched it, but every time that bit gets me because actually... Maybe it's in our our makeup. Maybe it's in our, 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 our genetics. Maybe it's just in our culture. You know... We always, like running, for example, the amount of people 
because I'm in a sort of community of runners, I'll say things like, oh, I only managed 10k at the weekend. Oh, I only did it in 56 minutes, but I was pushing the bucket and you look for excuses all the time. I think that says an awful lot about us. Um, and actually someone's 10k is, you know, someone's one colour, it's just the same amount of effort that they've put in it. And we, we as a country probably do not celebrate our successes well enough. We're looking at We've won six games on the trot, and in my head I'm thinking, ah, but we'll probably get beat off Poland, and then we've got this long wait to the playoff, and you're always preparing. Your, it's almost like a defence mechanism, and you know, over the last couple of years, I've, I've, me personally, I've went on a bit of a, a, a journey with, with my mental health and everything like that, and it's one thing that I've learned is to be a wee bit more, um, be a wee bit braver be a wee bit more optimistic and, and embrace the good things that are happening in, in, in your life. So um, that's a very, very long answer for your question, but I think it's, it's, it's quite a, a poignant uh, thing to say. Um, but I would I would really recommend that people go and watch Project Unicorn because watching that gives me goosebumps. So Scotland even getting a sniff of going to the World Cup, never mind winning a thing, is... Um, uh, at the moment, would 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 win over Thistle winning the Premiership for me. I think the World Cup will be too early, but Euro twenty twenty four. I've said for a wee while we're winning that. <laughs> well, listen, see, see, uh, the World Cup twenty twenty six. Um, it's the year my wife and I we turned forty that year, and we've got family in Canada, so I've got this plan <laughs> of having a wee sort of North American tour. Just right. about that summer. But we'll win, the, be, we'll win the Euros first and then the World Cup. I think that do, do well, it that I'm, way as opposed to if, this World Cup. If, if Spain can do it, and they didn't yeah. have Billy Gilmore, so exactly. <laughs> or Shea Adams, <laughs> Stephen O'Donnell. <laughs> so, Listen, I, no, no one can say a bad word about Stephen O'Donnell to me. He was I like Stephen O'Donnell. I like. I, I love them all. Like I think we've said that many a times. We love this full squad. There's no any roasters in it. I've I've spoken to Stephen O'Donnell for the Tartan magazine, and uh, you know he was saying that um, Raheem Sterling piece of piss, and he was right. <laughs> Had him in his back pocket that night. <laughs> it's uh, still, I think, my probably my favourite memory of the Euros was uh, Grealish just couldn't get away from him and then O'Donnell just put him <laughs> up in the air. It's, it's, so, someone obviously made it into a gif and it's just it's fantastic the amount of, the amount of times you get to post that on Twitter is just wonderful. Um, there was there was a lot of good memory. I know it didn't work out the way we wanted and, and, and whatnot uh, ultimately but it was great fun while we were there and um, I, I don't know if any of you guys were lucky enough to be down at Wembley but sitting in my living room it was um, I didn't sit down I have since sitting in my living room I didn't sit down the whole night just constantly pacing the floor and um, yeah I think that says a lot about us as Scotland fans and, and even Thistle fans and now now just feels like just the best thing ever I was, in the, I was in the safe standing section in my living room uh, behind the couch and behind it. <laughs> the thing I figured is, like, I do like to go a bit mental if we score and I'm at home. So I was thinking, if I'm behind the couch, if I jump, <laughs> I'll vault myself over the couch and I'll get a soft landing. <laughs> so there we go. Um, John, you got a plug for the Tartan Army magazine? Yeah, yeah um, we're speaking about Euros and I mentioned the magazine. So the latest edition of the BAME Tartan magazine is out. It's online. It's free. There's some um, good Euros reviews in there. Um, so Ailey Barber talks about her experience presenting the Euros because she was presenting for BBC. Um, the other reviews I had was... Um, so Lewis Irons of... Um, the, We've been slagging off the media and comms um, at, at times tonight, but 
that was from the ticketing point of view, but you must say that their stuff has been tremendous. So Lewis talks a lot oh, about amazing. that. Um, you, were, you were trying to get a square goal with him, Lewis, and me, were you not, at one point? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was that was WhatsApp chat. Yeah, you. I wasn't going to make that live. It's fine, though. It was a wee joke. Don, you do know that these things um, that come on WhatsApp do not need to go in the podcast. It's fine. It's a joke, though. I think you even said to Lewis it was a joke. Yeah, aye. In the interview I had with Lewis, apparently, yeah. Um, But you brought it up in front of his dad, and um, and (laughs) Tay was just like, aye, on you go. Aye, aye, he can fight for himself. Yeah, exactly. And the other interview, I'm actually trying to remember who else (laughs) the other person I had, that is really bad. Um, Basically, let folk know where they can find it online. Aye. Oh, I thought you were going to do that. Aye, so on the famous Tatanami, um, tatanamagazine.com. Aye, and Twitter, and that. Yeah, and at famous Tatan on, on Twitter. And we pl- we'll promote it as well, obviously. We usually do. Um, mm-hmm. So, there's that. Willie Morgan, that was the other player. Um, thanks to Cal McFadden for arranging that. Willie was tremendous and says that um, when he scored his first goal for Scotland with a header, it was rarer than a dodo egg. Aye, and a, <laughs> another wee shout out. In the week that we were supposed to play Ukraine, Scott, footyblog.net, Greg on the podcast, interviewed Clark. Uh, most folk on him as Wanderer online. Obviously, situation in Ukraine, he's got family there. Um, so, fantastic interview with Clark, done by Scott. It's available online. We've shared it. Have a watch. If you can as well, help out the Tottenham Sunshine Appeal in terms of donations, anything at all. Go on their page. Again, we'll share it. We have done before. Um, cash is king, basically. Um, hey, and if you, if, if you can, if you're not, there's still plenty of tickets left for the game on Thursday. Um, I think we're at about 35,000 sold at the moment. Um, and obviously, ten, ten, yeah, for a friendly, yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, I don't I don't remember, honestly, I don't remember the line. I don't remember ever going to a friendly with those 35,000. I'm surprised um, 35,000 are sold with a ticket fiasco, yeah. but aye, it's good. Yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> £10 of that price is, is going to UNICEF, which is fantastic. Josh, it wasn't that long ago that we only had, what, 17,000 at a Nations League game against Albania. You know, no me and you that um, went to these games. Don't worry, John. Don't worry, John. That's, that's, marked, that's marked in the calendar. See when, see when things take, see when Billy Gilmore hits over 30, right, and, and things start to take a take a downward spiral and we're still going there. I know, I know these part oh, oh, I was going to games long before you. <laughs> um, I think the, the good thing is the feel good factors back. Let's keep it going and definitely send it. So yeah. thank you, Vinny, for coming on. Uh, oh, no, absolute pleasure to join you. Um, and you may have given us one of the best podcast titles of the season, which you will see tomorrow <laughs> when it's out. I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> with that uh, Josh and John always a pleasure pleasure lads pleasure uh, and I'll speak to some of you next week